Welcome to Sly Characters Podcast, the podcast about cultural diversity in nerd culture. I am your host, Jordan. I'm Leah. And I am Joel. This week, we're going to be going into it again with talking a little bit about gatekeeping. But first, we wanted to kind of just talk, lead in with the positive and talk about like um, recently we went to a convention, well, a yeah. fan expo, nerd, nerd culture, nerd convention recently and just wanted to kind of do a couple of the highlights from that yes we all did and we all had a great time there <laughs> yes it was fun <laughs> for everyone involved here it, it was jordan you would have been invited. jordan and me jordan yeah. and me went to this and it was very fun um i actually it was speaking of inclusion yeah, Joel I wasn't asked there. <laughs> to come and they said no because i wasn't nerd enough so uh that's yeah yeah, yeah. it's a great way to start uh, i was <laughs> <laughs> I was, and that's was... why we're talking about gatekeeping because it hits very close to home. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about how great it is. Um, yeah, but it was really fun. It was really fun. There was a lot of people, a lot of costumes, a lot of really good talks. Um, we went to some several talks on like inclusion and um, like female roles in game or in uh, in shows and stuff like that. Yeah. My personal favorite was the Luigi and Princess Peach cos- couples costume we saw, except Luigi was the woman and Princess Peach was the man. And it was a wonderful costume. Really well done. Very impressive. My personal favorite that I saw was um, a mashup of Princess Peach as Guts from Berserk. And I thought that was fantastic because she was carrying a giant sword. Uh, curious uh, as to the nature of the Princess Peach and Luigi costume, though. Uh, can you, like, describe, was it done as, like, just, like, a nice gender neutral? Or was it, like, emphasized in any which way? Like It just kind of looked like a, a really nice Princess Peach and Luigi costume, except that uh, the female in the relationship was Luigi. I, okay. I like I legit like yeah it was just like really it wasn't like highly overemphasized it just like was really well done yeah because I actually like, this, it was like a good cosplay <laughs> especially with like uh, Mario involved when uh, uh, Mario Odyssey came out and they put uh, the the dress oh, yeah. in and I was like at first I was a little cautious of like oh are they going to make fun of like oh Mario can dress up as a woman now like haha and it wasn't it was just put in as a cool costume and he rocked it and it was great and. Yeah, like, I, I do want to show some praise for yeah. breaking down those barriers anywhere it comes. So, Joel, have you been to Comic-Cons or any conventions like that before? I have not, actually. This is big news. Yeah, I've never been. Oh. And for gatekeeping specific reasons, actually, uh, I have not been because I genuinely am pretty terrified of, well, was general, generally pretty terrified of being, like, not that kind of nerd like not in there as much because in northern ireland specifically i don't know what it is now um because i've kind of got my own little community going on i don't really seek out conventions at the moment i mean i probably will mm-hmm. but uh we had one i think it was called dragon con and it happened every now and then and it felt very much like because it's such a small country the people who go there are the very extremes of the nerd outer world i think like because i don't know i don't really have like a a science behind it or anything i don't have like theories on it but this was how i always experienced it it's like it would be the you could go to like a gaming group and then like the upper tier of that gaming group like the people who go way into warhammer and things like that they would be the ones Mm -hmm. who would show up to this and no one else would really be welcome it wasn't it was 
for the extreme, you couldn't get like large scale guests or anything like that. So you wouldn't have like a large audience appeal. So it'd only be for like niche audiences. And I was terrified of being judged by said niche audiences. Well, the Toronto one is giant. And generally, I found that it was pretty well well represented, at least by both sexes. And um, I think it had a pretty good representation of Toronto's diversity as a whole. So saw people from many different backgrounds and different age groups as well. Generally saw a woman who was dressed as Anna from Overwatch, who I, every time I saw her on the escalator, I was like, your costume's amazing. You're going the opposite direction. Otherwise I'd take a photo with you. (laughs) Uh, I think that was the saddest part because it was so large. A lot of the times I saw a really cool costume was when we were going down the escalator, they were going up. It's like, no. And this whole convention took place on escalators. Yes, pretty yes, much. pretty much. It was largely escalators. A, a large portion was on escalators or in hallways. Yes. Um, but it was, yeah, it generally felt very inclusive because I do think I had, like, there is that perception of cons that you were talking about, but because this is, like, a larger con and it's more mainstream now, it, it well, it is, it's more expensive to get tickets to cons. And thus means you have to really want to go to be there. It's just people who just like, you know, really appreciate what they want. However, not saying that there wasn't issues while we were there. Saying, (laughs) let me tell you about this fun social experiment I did, which was called (laughs) speed dating for nerds. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. It was a social experiment. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the... The story you're about to tell, I, I didn't think, laugh. is hilarious. I, I gagged, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not laughing at you. Hurt you at all? The, oh my oh gosh! gosh. Some of this, yeah, oh, it geez. was a yeah. it was an interesting experience. Um, <sighs> it was the females I met at speed dating were really really nice, and they had they had both um, they had both heterosexual and LGBT plus ones, but the LGBT plus ones were less frequent. Uh, which annoyed some people and they were only at certain times um but the women i met there were really nice and we were all like super like friendly to each other um and well the guys were uh all right most of the time there was a few who generally like one of the most common questions i got while this was happening because you only had two minutes (laughs) with each guy was so why are you here and thus the laughing. It's like, why? Yes. <laughs> what a terrible freaking question um, that is. <laughs> to, to which, depending on the guy, I answered, because I'm a nerd. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! No, I think some of them expected, because there were big names there, for me to say that I was there because of the big name who was there. Yeah, um, like you were there for one thing, not you were there yeah. because you liked the general concept and the community. Like they were asking, exactly. "Why did you show up in our territory?" Not like, kind well, of, like yes. not like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Yeah, and, that, that's what it comes off to me. Yeah, as. it's like, yeah. "Why are you here?" It's like, "Cause I'm like you." Like there were better phrased ones where people are like, "What's your favorite part of nerddom?" Or like, "Like, what are you most interested in?" That. What are you most interested in here is a very different question from yeah. why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing so, here? 
it just kind of like that experience kind of highlighted the issue we're talking about today, which is gatekeeping and leads us into that subject in a wonderful way of experiencing why are you here? It is why the question you, is the question you ask so, at the gate. That is the first question that when you yeah. show up to the gate, people ask, oh, why are you here? So there was no bribe option, I'm sorry to say. So. Oh, that was it. Oh, that one out of the park. <laughs> but, but really, so gatekeeping, <laughs> like the general idea comes from, like Joel will say, it's like the gate in the entrance is who, like someone who stands there at the gate and lets people in. So it's pretty much the definitions that we found for gatekeeping. One of them is from Urban Dictionary is when someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community or identity. And that's the Urban Dictionary one. And the other one from the Odyssey is gatekeeping is when someone harasses another person because they do not meet their standards of being a fan of some film, show, comic, or etc. Okay, I just happen to say, I want to say as an academic, I want to say this. Sources wise, Urban Dictionary in this case seems way more legit because most dictionaries have a very basic definition of gatekeeping that doesn't relate to the modern sense Mm -hmm. of the term and the nerd sense. And was referenced in multiple articles that we read (laughs) up to this point. So, oddly enough, Urban Dictionary is the primary source of the definition for most things. Which surprised me, because when I was doing the research for this, I typed in, like, gatekeeping definition. I got a lot of someone who stands at a gate. I was like, thank you. No, but, like, honestly, Urban Dictionary is nailing it. As someone who, like, studied English and stuff, like, we're all taught, like, you know, it's an evolving language. And a lot of dictionaries gatekeep words, whereas Urban Dictionary is like, hey, no, gatekeeping is a modern term now. We're going to talk about the modern thing. It is, it's... yeah. It's an anti-gatekeeping site describing gatekeeping right now. Oh, we're going in a loop. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So so now I wanted to get in just because we probably have a lot of them, but I wanted to get into a few personal experience and personal stories with gatekeeping. Like, what have you guys kind of experienced this? Have you ever experienced someone gatekeeping you? Have you, like, seen a friend or heard a story from a friend who has been gatekeeped? Like, what is the general feel for that? Yeah, um, as a white person presenting as male, I'm very certain my stories are going to go a lot quicker and disappear a lot. Like, they are they are pretty minor in contrast. Um, I think uh, one of the most times I felt, like, personally bothered by was in university. I kind of was, like, arrived at university and was hoping to do English and film and was very, very excited to, you know, like, attend poetry nights, readings, things like that, um, film screenings and such. But it is film less so, but especially in like the arts and the English for where I was, it was very heavily gatekept as like, even for coming there and saying like, oh, it is my first night, you're very much expected to have like prepared not only like your own work, but like, oh, a list of others that you can defend yourself for. So like, it was very much in like a, oh, you're trying to learn about this thing, prove how much you already know, like before we even begin to teach you, which is really it's it's horrible to like yeah just be completely left out of even beginning to know something because you are uh because you don't know it like that's uh, counterproductive and is yeah very inefficient uh honestly i just want to share with you that that is one of the experiences my friend has been having recently starting a phd yeah like yeah she was like 
basically told because she hadn't read the Epic <laughs> of Gilgamesh that she knew nothing. So I feel you, you. You talked about learning Japanese and they're like, oh, because you don't know this one word in Japanese, clearly you aren't speaking at the level of that. Like, And it's like, no, it's it's a language that has lots of words. I'm go- I know a lot of them at la- that level. I'm never, ever, ever going to know all of them. Yeah. We don't know all of them in English. Like, we're still defining shit, like, right now. So, um, yeah, that is yeah. very much... Yeah, it's it's a very weirdly uh, surgical way of sorting things. And that I feel that's, like, the intellect barrier is very weird. Or, like, the preparation barrier. I don't want to, like, pin it to intellect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Dungeons & Dragons was my first nerdy example. Once, once I started, like, getting interested in this, I would show up at, like, Dungeons & Dragons night and kind of be rejected for not having had, like the warcraft upbringing and things like that or maybe like the the modeling aspect of things like you know it, it's it's dungeons and dragons once once you get into it it's you can like really really simplify it that's part of the key of it but if you're not simplifying it if you're trying to hold it in like a standardized environment there's a lot of elements to it and uh if you show up and say hey i want to learn these elements they can quiz you on any of them and like it is a very niche thing that isn't really represented there's no way to learn it other than kind of off of other people and like i guess the online resources are getting pretty good but again yeah getting get get kept for knowledge is pretty bad and i think the most recent i think uh experience of this for me is uh like fortnite is just like the fortnite kind of god pressure is like yeah it's it's a very specific um I don't know. It, it It's like, it's the first time I've ever felt like, oh, I'm too old for this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my 20s. Like, this is not a thing. I'm like, no, this is, I am content to be too old for Fortnite because everyone has like a much, much more time they can spend on that and figure that one out. But yeah. Um, but this is me saying like, these are my examples mm. of being gatekept. But as you can see, they're not exactly like personal hit home things because I have mm. overcome all of those things. And it... It has not really impacted me on a personal sense because I don't think it was I was gatekept kept really for like personal elements of me I cannot change. I was gatekept, and I'm not saying it was just I was gatekept for knowledge and like preparation, which I could then you know go back home and do extra work yeah. on. And I don't think it's fair that I should have done that. It was a lonelier experience and not as fun because of that. But was it personally harmful? Like I don't really carry any weight with it for me. Not to say that it's a good thing. That's setting up for you to say, like, here's where it really hurts. Like, here's oh, the yeah. kicker. So I'm passing it <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Let me let me share with you, <laughs> let me tell you another experience from a minority person. No, I'm just okay. Let's not go that way. Um, so Sorry, you're not minority enough to be. <laughs> I am. I am. Before we, I have a lot on, of experience. I do want to say, like, I am kind of excited to be as I start to pass as female as i like transition and stuff i'm excited to be gate kept for stuff i've never been gate kept before and be like <laughs> oh no you don't know what you hit upon like obviously it's going to get old very very quickly but i'm i'm excited to see what happens there yeah i so as a woman i ha- have a lot of experiences i could share ranging from the cesspool that is the overwatch oh, vi- voice no. chat um Gamers are things, trash people. Like, I just want to throw my... that out. <laughs> Anyone who plugs in a mic, 
especially like yeah Yeah. you're asking for it i I specifically Uh, don't wear a mic when i'm doing online games unless i'm already in a party with people i know (laughs) yeah well okay continuing off that um so but i wanted to tell like my own personal experience the first one i want to highlight is one that literally when i was talking with other women about experiences they have every single one of them brought this up and it's one that I've had and that literally I don't know a single woman who is a nerd who hasn't had this experience, which is the experience of not feeling welcome in a nerdy establishment. So I'm re- mostly referring to um, board game stores, Warhammer stores, things that sell D&D supplies, card stores, video game stores, stuff like that, which I personally have been dramatically affected by to the fact that I don't really feel comfortable buying things in stores like that. Um, I mostly buy stuff online now because it makes me so uncomfortable to go in these places. And a lot of women do the same thing because I personally have been in many a stores where the second you walk in, it feels like literally every single set of eyes is on you and is following you around the store and doesn't feel like you should be there. And unlike what you see, which is a lot of people usually chatting and stuff and talking about things or playing a game um, that they're there, uh, no one comes up to talk to you. No one says, hi, how can I help you? And so you're just kind of left to wander and people to wonder why you're there um and including yourself at this stage yeah it's a really yeah it's a really like sad experience like the last time this happened was in toronto i went to a store and the only thing that saved me i went to that store twice was the fact that there was a woman who worked there and every single time she would be the person who said hi how can i help you and would serve me and would actually come up to me and talk to me and Like, this is a common experience that all my friends shared is the fact that they'll walk into stores. And, like, I had one friend say, ask, like, the person ask what she was looking for. Or, and I believe he assumed that she was looking for Nintendo games. And she wasn't. Um, It's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very common experience that generally leaves most women feeling like they shouldn't go back. Because it feels unsafe. You don't like it. Like obviously, nothing's going to happen. But generally, when you feel so uncomfortable like that, it makes it's a natural reaction for your body to produce fight that to produce yeah. anxiety, which is related to like flight or flight. So you feel unsafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. That's the yeah, first I've experience. Definitely I had that same experience as you. It's it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling at all. Yeah. Yeah, and it happens almost every single time I go into these stores. It's it's really depressing. Um, other, I have a couple other ones. So these are stories I got from friends. Um, the first one is about my friend during university. So she said that during the first year of university, while living in student accommodation, um, my friend's living in the house next to me next to me created a server for minecraft where they all played on it together despite me mentioning that i had minecraft and enjoyed playing with other people i was never invited to join at this point there were nearly 15 people playing on the server 
all of them men. After Christmas break, I once again asked to be a part of it. And as I had become close friends with the host, since he was on my course, um, but the decision to invite me was vetoed by the other members who said they didn't want to have, this is in quotes, any random chick playing with us. <laughs> Luckily, most of them turned out to be huge twats, and my friend left their friendship group in the second year. So in the long run, it didn't really matter but it felt extremely shitty to be actively left out. That makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah, that makes yeah. me so mad. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I, I like her way of addressing it at the end is like something so common yet enrages me to my core and enrages most people who hear it, but it's also something I've done myself where you rationalize it of saying it's not really something that affects you yeah. deeply, but at the same time, yeah, it sucks. It, like she like says, like, so, oh, they turned out yeah. to mostly be twats, and it's like, that's not the point. Like, they because we find out they were twats by this part where they started gatekeeping. It's but it's like, it's like saying like, oh, the guy who called me a slur is, like, it doesn't matter that I got called a slur because I know he's a twat. It's like no, like it's it still hurts. Yeah. Like no matter who calls you, like it still goes to the core for yeah. sure. <laughs> But I, st I still mm -hmm. understand her action of saying that because you, as, like, as a woman, it's the yeah, way you, you rationalize it, it you, so that it do, hurts yeah. less. It's a yeah. defense mechanism. I'm not criticizing the defense so. mechanism. I'm criticizing, like, oh, yeah, no, that it it's has just, to exist. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is shitty. So I got a couple other ones. I'm sorry I'm going so long, but I have a couple. Um, a different friend who um, also shared a card store experience with me, but um, her she has two, one from her and one from another friend. So her first one was that she and a guy friend were at the Montreal Grand Prix, um, and that's a, a, a car race for those who aren't yeah, aware. Went right over my head, honestly. <laughs> Sure. It's it's literally like a formula, I believe, like a Formula One Grand Prix type thing. Um, and so they were on a street there that had stands showing off for the new Forza game on Xbox. And they had people like manning the stalls. Um, so they went in and they saw a console and they took turns um on trying the new game and her guy friend went first and no one approached him while he was playing he finished playing and then handed his controller to her and like within five like showed her the controls in five seconds and then because it's a racing game <laughs> and you, you don't press, need that press long two buttons. <laughs> um, and as, and then he passed her the controller and one of the helpers grabbed it from her hands and set everything up without saying anything and just stood there holding the controller and then passed it back to her when the race started and walked away. So, yeah, he basically assumed that she would know nothing and be unable to do anything herself and literally grabbed the controller from her hands to, to, to school her and how to set this up. This is like... Really, dude? It's like, and to be so blatant about it, to not do it to the guy friend, but to do it to her, it's just like, really? Really, dude? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it hits extra home when this friend 
is like an expert mechanic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and plays video games yeah. really well. Like, she knows more about cars probably than the guy working the booth did. And they're at the Grand Prix, yeah. for God's sakes. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, it made no sense. So that's that story. Lovely, I know, right? This is making me want to fight someone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, generally that's what happens when I read these two. The last one is probably um, the worst. Um, well, they're all pretty bad. So she had a friend who was at a convention competing in a Smash tournament. She came in second place in the Smash tournament. Her friend is amazing at Smash. Um, and she said that during the entire competition, she could feel eyes looking at her and whispers about her being a girl. And these continued even after the tournament finished. Um, and she said even though she came in second, it was a surprise to even the MC announcing who said, what a surprise uh, um, uh. that she came in second. So she said as well that she was the only girl in the finals. Um, yeah, and it made her really uncomfortable. This is where like the logic starts to come apart where you start to see like any kind of anytime someone tries to like justify oh like you know like nintendo games are clearly for beginners so we assume this person's a beginner so we ask for them for like oh they're looking for nintendo games but then when this person is like hey i like nintendo games i like a game that is specifically pretty inclusive as a nintendo game and then it is still like oh you're not even good enough for that like they will just keep notching people down it's not like a one-off gatekeep that could even be rationalized it is very much like there is something more than just like actual attempt at keeping the place pure it is usually based in sexism and things like that yeah and, well and it was just a it was uh she felt uncomfortable the entire time because literally no one expected her to do yeah. well there was an assumption from the get-go that she wasn't going to do well that she because she's not a part of the gaming culture, assumed that she wouldn't do well and that she wasn't supposed to be there. And of course, it was a surprise that she did really well and got second place. And it was luck. Like, that's that's really what it boils down to. And often in cases where I've heard stories like this before, of women doing really well in games and it being like, you got lucky, rather than it being what it is, which is a lot of goddamn hours put into a game and hard work. Yeah, like, like luck. Or some people it. just have naturally good reflexes, which scares me. <laughs> Whatever, no, it's, it's not yeah, luck. It's not that's like, the whole like, point. The guys also get lucky. Like, luck is spread generally pretty evenly. You've got to put yourself in the position to take advantage of luck when it comes up. Otherwise, you like, yeah, especially in like a game like that. Like, you can't just get lucky on a three-stock tournament. That's the point of it being a three-stock tournament with like yeah, exactly. a ramp-up to get there. Like, you have to be really yeah. freakishly lucky if you want to start calling things lucky. <laughs> Three times in a row, every yeah. time I'm that lucky. But <laughs> I never really yeah. quite understood like the things, oh, well, guys are good at games and girls aren't. But like, there's nothing ever that said, there's nothing biologically, nothing mentally that says that specifically a male is good at a game and a female is not. There's nothing. So where does this e even come from and i know we'll probably talk more about that on the actual gaming episode but that whole thing is like oh girls can't play games just drives my mom's gonna listen to this it just makes me so mad it's it's very frustrating to me because a lot of this idea i think comes from the fact that men are given more time they have more leisure time to pursue these games 
yeah, in many yeah. ways, uh, historically. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm just reminded of the fact that that many, several books I've read portray women as being better fighter pilots and stuff like that because they're able to handle, they're able to multitask better and deal with hectic situations better than men, which like, I have not read studies that say which way or the other, but I'm like, I know many women who have been forced to deal with extremely hectic situations in their lives, which I think would generally make them better at playing video games than other people. But do they have the time to invest in that? I don't know. So it's like, it's really just a question of time. And also in like promoting, um, like from the early age, like you get the same in sports, like sports is very much like, oh, you know, you're as a, as a, person who grew up meal very much pushed into go play sports go play sports go get outside play a game and then on then that kind of translates into as you don't play sports you're like oh well then here's another kind of play that you get introduced to whereas women just aren't introduced in that kind of play like that's not really a thing that gets gets promoted from a young age and that's then becomes in the older age people judge the women who actually managed to break down that barrier and say like, oh no, like you, you didn't, like, it's a weird thing of like, we should be welcoming breaking down that barrier rather than like criticizing Mm -hmm. the people who fought the hardest to enjoy what everyone else gets or what males get to enjoy, like right off the bat. It's, yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, it's all along the line of like being given legos as a child versus being given barbie dolls like oh girls are supposed to play with this guys are supposed to play with that it's, it continues that freaking stereotype and all of that and it drives me to want to like stab people but it probably shouldn't say that either um anyways <laughs> i guess it's my turn to take the reins on the experiences gatekeeping i also have a story with smash bros but i definitely want to have that friend on and tell the story because it's their story to tell and not mine but another time it was me in a friend in college and we went to like one of the oh one of the dorms was having the game nights where it's like call of duty and all just any type of game you can go play games and have fun because you know that's what people like to do hang out and play games and so i went with my friend and we were standing like waiting to play like waiting for some of the games to free up so we could play together and this guy comes over and starts talking to my friend who i don't know if i mentioned before is female and Starts asking us, oh, so what kind of games do you like? And she responds like, oh, yeah, it's like, I like Assassin's Creed. I like this game. It's like, oh, Jordan recently got me into this and this. He's like, oh, well, have you ever played this? And it's like, no. Well, have you ever, like, heard of this game? No, but I, like, it sounds like, well, have you? And just kept grilling her and grilling her until finally, like, oh, well, you're not a real gamer then, I guess. And he walked away. And it's just like two things that came from this. It just blew my mind that someone would have the audacity to walk up and say oh no you play games but you're not a real gamer so whatever and then also it the second thing just it sucks because i really wish i could have said something to him like screw you or anything to stop him from grilling my friend i should have stepped in and i know we'll talk about that a little bit later of what we can do to stop gatekeeping stuff like that but just listening to that whole thing it's like oh well I'm going to keep asking you questions until finally I can justify it in my mind while you're not as good as, why you are not as good as I am in this situation. And it just, that happens all the time. And I've seen it. So, and this is actually a story that I remember when you guys were talking is I was before a class in college started, I was sitting there, um, catching up on whatever manga it was 
before i think might have been uh, might have been naruto sorry guys for bringing naruto a second time but it was probably naruto i was catching up on naruto on my computer and it was like blatantly on my computer and it was like someone came over and they were talking so, oh it's like so you read this like have you read this one i was like oh no i was like i'm not really into that one it's like i'm really it's like, oh well which ones do you like and i named like at that time it was naruto full model alchemist um a couple other like very shonen ones it's like oh so you just read the mainstream and you're not really like a true anime fan and it's like what wait what it's like what what is so you're not a true anime because you only read the mainstream ones it's like well first of all i only listed like three that i really like and second i was like who are you to say if i'm a fan or not like what does that even what does that even mean and then it's like it's like a niche of a niche. It's like you're not a true anime fan because you only like the mainstream, which aren't mainstream because anime yeah, at the an- time was mainstream. Like what? Anime at the time wasn't mainstream. It's just like, well, so what if I like the mainstreams? Like I can be a fan of mainstream anime and call it a day. Yeah. It's just in a so- lot. It's a lot of that <laughs> where like I don't have too many other specific stories about me where other than like I'll go places like you were saying with the um comic book stores or things like that and definitely feel eyes on me no one approaches me no one says anything and then i just leave because you know there's no one's being helpful and a lot of times it's like oh you like this well why do you having to explain why i like it or having to jump through hoops to show why i am into a certain thing is always how it's been for me and like just if it's like also being in groups of friends and having them like talk to these types of people and they never ask my friends that stuff but specifically come to me as oh well what like why do you like this thing it's like because i I like it i don't need to have some sort of reason to like these certain things and just it's a lot of that it's Mm -hmm. like feeling like i have to tell people why i'm into something and if i'm not like oh well i'm not the type of person who should be that so i get the gate shoved in my face a lot and it's a lot of that um, uh, when you hmm? mentioned uh, both your like story on like the anytime someone comes up with like a list of items and says like oh have you have you have you and then eventually will like drop the bomb on like they can they can keep doing that until because like no one's going to have played exactly yeah. the same list of games they can keep doing that until eventually they get enough ammo to say like oh then clearly you're not a real gamer clearly you're not a real anime fan and the first the or the last thing that makes you want to do is go play the games they were recommending, is go play the anime things exactly. they were listing. It's it's not welcoming you into it. If that was the case, I would be pro this of like, oh, you like this thing? Here's a list of all these great ones and you can ignore it or go into it as much as you please. That's great. That's called enjoying something. When you start to... That's, the, I think, like the difference is where it starts to become gatekeeping. It's when you say, like, at the end, it's like, and therefore... You never get to enjoy these ones I listed because yeah. you don't enjoy them currently. Yeah. yeah. Or having conversations like uh, slightly differently. I've had experienced this multiple times in my life is people having conversations about particularly anime or manga. This happens quite frequently. They'll be like, this genre is great. This genre is great. And then they'll be like, but if you like this genre, man, you're a pile <laughs> of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Okay, I'm never going to tell anyone exactly. ever that I like this type of yeah. manga. And that's happened to me 
both with people who are nerds and without people who are nerds. But it's just like it it happens quite frequently where it's like, why why do people like you should check with the people around you before going and shitting on somebody's somebody's likes? I have from that thought like that specifically has awoken a personal story that actually did hit home. And yeah, if I could take up some more time, um, uh, <laughs> this is going to be the whole episode. Is we're just going to end in tears trying to hug each other through the internet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but um. I went to, like, when I started discovering I was trans, I was like, oh, I should go to a trans group. And I find the Trans Resource Center has a, like, a games night. And I was like, hell yeah, this sounds great. I went and I was, like, excited to talk about nerdy stuff. And the first thing someone did was, like, I was, like, sitting about half an hour. And then, like, someone just started listing off the thing, the nerdy things you could like that make you oh a bad God. person. Which includes, like, Nintendo and, um... Oh, I'm trying to what? think of specifically. Yeah, it was Nintendo and anime, and he was sitting. He spent. They spent so long talking about Star Trek, and then said like, "Oh, but if you like this," and it's like this is such a specific fight over nothing to like then assault, like to turn around and just like fully draw a line over some, like over like half of the culture because you don't like it. It was super shitty. It's like this is the height of an inclusive spot, and I'm here to say like. I'm not getting included in certain worlds. Can I come get included? And then for those people to turn around and say, like, sure, you can be included and welcomed as a trans individual, but you Ugh. better be the right kind of nerd. And it's like, holy <coughs> shit, how is that so ingrained what? into our personalities? Ugh, it's, it's messed up. It's really uh, unfortunate. Geez. Okay. Yeah, we can definitely have these conversations all day because, <laughs> yeah. The more we talk, the more I remember, like, where it's happened to me or, like, I was around when mm -hmm. it happened to a friend. So that, that that's that's fun. Yeah. But, um, so going down the line to the next kind of topic, it's like, who commits, like, the gatekeeping? It's like, and, I mean, we already kind of know who's affected by it. But it's like, so who, who do you think is the, I guess, the perpetrator of gatekeeping, if there is a singular one, I guess? Well... I think that Joel kind of brought this up in his experiences that like, and this is something that often gets thrown around when this is discussed that <laughs> tries to minimize it, is that gatekeeping is something that happens yes. to everybody. Like, it's happened to Joel as being Both as, yeah. when, yeah, being a white man, presenting as a white man. Um, but it's like, it happens to everyone, but that doesn't minimize the fact that generally trending, like there is a pattern, and I think this is something that people like really miss the point of, is that it's a pattern of repeated actions against people of mm -hmm. minorities. Mm -hmm. So the people who are being committed against these actions are repeatedly being committed against women and people of color most frequently yes yeah and, and it's a tactic people use because they're like well i've like well i've had this happen to me too and i'm like great cool does it happen to you every single like you feel yes. uncomfortable going into a game store does it happen to you literally every single time so much that you don't want to go back to them I mean, <laughs> like for me it's like my right my list like, i go in i get the hell out <laughs> it's 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 really like a matter yeah. of scale is and I think people need to wear it, be aware of it because yes, it shouldn't happen to everybody. It's bad on all fronts. We're no one's not saying that. 
We're saying that it happens way more often to minorities. Yeah. So, and like, and honestly, I... addressing the, the minorities element of it is more, it's not even tackling gatekeeping at that stage. It's just tackling like actual, like a larger problem, which is racism and sexism. Like, I don't want to rank problems because gatekeeping is also bad, but like, like, yeah, we should be addressing general racism and sex, sexism and classism and such in nerd culture before we, in, like, address gatekeeping at whole. But because gatekeeping is such a prime example of racism and sexism and classism and the like, then we kind of really do have to involve It's one it. of the main methods on to which it gets carried out in nerddom. Yeah. It's, it's one of the main ways it happens. And I think... I, I'm going to say it. I think it's generally white men who are most frequently the committers of these actions. Yeah. Yeah, most I of would. the times I've had it committed against me has been white men. It happens to, or it can be caused by whoever got there first is kind of the idea behind it. But that doesn't even mean you necessarily got there first chronologically. It's literally whoever is believes they got there first in the conversation. Whoever is welcoming someone into something else gets to do it. And then the you're less likely to do it the more experiences you have had of being unwelcome because you're like, oh, it sucks to be unwelcome, so I will never make that happen. And I will strive to not make that happen. Whereas a lot of the time, like, you can get away with being a white male and have never felt that unwelcome for that kind of per like I said, like for a personal reason. I can be I can have felt like uncomfortable in places, but it's never for who I am. So I always like you can kind of get away with having just gone your whole life continuing to gatekeep. And I definitely think there are opportunities for anyone to gatekeep for any amount of reasons. Right. But the trend, like you said, is white males because we don't experience, like, a lack of empathy is in the end of it. Like, yeah. because you have been a lack of experience, not necessarily because you're sociopathic. I think more general uh, as well, just thinking back on some experiences, it's just generally males for me, actually. Because I've had a... There are other keepers of certain parts of nerd culture mean that it's not always mm. people who are white and but it's just generally men yeah who most often committed it for me because yeah you're right it is about who yes. gets there first and particularly anime and manga and certain video games have been controlled by other people so yeah and it's a really unfortunate it is other thing I kind of want to get into is, have you guys ever specifically gatekept anyone if that you remember? Or have you gatekept? Um, uh, I don't. So here's the thing. I don't mm -hmm. think I have. But as we all know, memory is a tricky, tricky thing. And sometimes you wouldn't realize what you're doing is perceived as being gatekept. I, don't, I have not, never intentionally, to my knowledge, done that. However, th I do think there is a slippery slope. Um. I and I have gone on that slippery slope sometimes. I generally find myself being very, I like to say I'm pop culture literate um, compared to some of my other friends who aren't. And so it can seem when I'm like, when I'm surprised if somebody hasn't seen something, I'll go, You haven't seen this? And often I've been, I have been trying to correct that it can seem as mm -hmm. condescending. That I uh, in, and in that specific reaction, sorry, I want to talk about, uh, there's a comic that I think potentially saved me from doing a lot of gatekeeping when I was uh, younger, and it's uh, XKCD, if anyone remembered it. 
Oh, yeah, yes. it's a yes. great one, but it has a comic called 10,000 and it's I've got it up here and it's uh, they, it literally says, uh, I try not to make fun of people for admitting they don't know things because for each thing, every quote unquote, everyone knows by the time they're adults uh, every day, there are on average 10,000 people in the US hearing about it for the first time. If I make fun of people, I train them not to tell me when they have those moments and I miss out on the fun. So it's basically like, oh, Diet Coke and Mentos is a thing? What's that? And then it's like, oh, hell yeah, we get the day of going out and buying some Mentos and stuff. And the, the other example yeah. is the Yellowstone Supervolcano. And it's like, oh, you don't know about the Yellowstone Supervolcano? I am excited to tell you this thing. Like, and that's kind yeah. of, I'm at it, like, I think that's a big part of like, you should change it to, I am excited to yeah. introduce you, not I am proud yeah. to have got and, there first yeah and that's why i'm like it's a it's definitely a slippery slope because never have i been for somebody's being who they are attacked them um i have been like oh my gosh you haven't seen this now i translate into that into oh my god you haven't seen this we're adding this yep. to the list of movies we need to watch together <laughs> and so i actually have yeah. with my friend who is very pop culture illiterate a list of movies that we watched together. It's mainly rom-coms of the 90s because that is where she is severely lacking. But it's, yeah, now it's it's you're, it's really a matter of translating into it. I get to show you these. But I have, I fully admit that in my life I have seemed condescending towards people not having seen things before. And that's unfortunate because it can yeah. lead to not people not sharing experiences with you. And... Uh, and not to put Leah specifically on blast, but uh, you did like an apology, but said seemed condescending. And I did want to say, like, if you seemed condescending, you were condescending. It was by accident. And you can like take yes. credit for that. But like, I, I just wanted so like we're teaching good language to other people. And I just wanted to catch that example and say like, oh, when you're talking about this stuff, like maybe don't apologize by saying like, oh, I I'm sorry I was perceived as being a dick. And it's like, no, you could just say I'm sorry I was a dick. And that is trying not to put you on blast. That was literally just a, a change of language, but I wanted to put it as an example. Yeah. Generally, when I am apologizing, do not say scenes. Yes. No, I, I, yeah, again, trying not. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know how to correct these pe people who do it without sounding <laughs> like an asshole myself as well. So I am sorry I am being an asshole at this moment, but I also wanted to get it out there. How dare you? I was going to say, along the lines of Leia's, like, I... Well, before I would have said, like, oh, I don't think I've ever gatekept. I probably, I probably have. I have probably made someone feel awful. And, yeah, never the intention, but a lot of it, like, now, especially growing older, like, that was, those were times, like, when I was a child, and I was a complete idiot as a child. I know for a fact I was. But growing older, it was like, I realized that, hey, yeah, I have also been gatekept, and my whole point is to not gatekeep and when i hear someone's like oh yeah it's like i don't know this it's like oh you don't it's like we can i totally will watch it with you if you want or it's like someone says like oh yeah it's like i like such and such it's like well here's a couple things that you might also like you can watch them or not if you're if you want but yeah, it's, it's also like as i've gotten older i've learned to talk about these things in a way that doesn't come off as i know more than you what i like is better than yours prime example yeah. guys come on Look at me. I'm better than you. I know what to do. <laughs> oh, crap. I'm doing it again. <laughs> so. Well, I very much worry I've get kept. Like, that's... It's always going to be... And I think, like, I'm striving now not to, but I feel like 
I get overly excited and especially in things I feel competent in. Like I, I think Leah has pointed this out when we played uh, even board games and video games together. Like I am a cocky <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> I My love goodness, it. you are. Yeah, and I love it so much. And like I can play with you know like it was like me Leah and like my girlfriend at the time and other people who are all playing Mario Kart together and like I wasn't doing that much better than anyone else but holy shit is it so hard for me not to like be expressing that I'm winning at all times even just in like (laughs) when I'm silent it comes across and it's really it's it's both something I enjoy and I cannot control at all. Like it is, I am so sorry all of the time, and I hope I'm a good villain. <laughs> is all that I can pray for. I want that to be non gatekeepy. Yeah, I happen to say though, it is very helpful that you are you do not panic when we all in Smash Brothers turn to each other and like, okay, so we're only attacking Joel now, and Joel is like, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> He, yeah. So I think that's the correct response to that situation. Is if you're gonna if you're gonna be that way, you best believe we're going to try and take we you out, ruin your whole worldview, <laughs> <laughs> and be okay with it. I talked to a friend who is uh, canonically bad at video games. Like she loves video games, but she's like, no, I'm terrible at them all. Like I I got Untitled Goose Game, and I am bad at it. And it's like you've got picking things up is your one option, but um. She, she, we played Smash Bros together and I, I kind of said about, I talked to her about this element of it and being like, is being a cocky dipshit a terrible gatekeeping behavior? Because I always worry, especially with like young kids who are like playing with me and I'm like, I'm kind of letting them win. I'm letting them win. I'm letting them win. And then when it gets to like right at the finish line, I'm like, no, fuck it. I can't do that. I'm kicking ass. I, and like, it, I cannot be beaten by a seven year old, even when I'm choosing, like, there's something about me. I cannot do that. Um. But when I asked her about this specific element, she's like, no, the the most gatekeeping I've felt in video games when, like, you know, because of being quote-unquote bad at them, uh, is, she said exactly the phrase, uh, when they are not interested with me, or interested in interacting with me in the game. And that's, I think, was, like, an important thing to highlight. It's like, yeah, when people aren't even, like, willing to include you both in this, in real life and in this fictional world, that's when it starts to get, like, gatekeepy because of, like, talent. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Having, having not be, not having a good sense of, I, I, I can't aim for crap, guys. This is, this is a truth about Leah. And I, I felt that as well, where, like, sometimes people will get angry with you, and I'm like, I appreciate that, because usually when I'm like, I'm so sorry, they're like, it's fine. I'm angry, but it's fine. But when they literally will go quiet, yeah, is when mm-hmm. it gets the worst. Yeah, I I only laugh because I was thinking about how bad my aim is in games, and I've literally sat in front of a friend and shot all around their head and didn't kill the guy once. And yeah, definitely, I'm pretty great as always <laughs> in everything. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, okay, so don't watch my YouTube channel. Oh jeez, that will prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, there got to a point in life where I just stopped bragging about my ability to play games because I realized, oh, I am not good at games. It's like, oh my god. Hey, hey, <laughs> I'm good at point and click adventure games, guys. I, I know that logic like the back of my hand. So just saying, I can do one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got the use of just getting wrecked in a shooting game, so. 
You need to figure out what random object in your inventory goes with what random other object that would make no sense in actual human life. I'm your person. Hell yeah. Uh, but, so I yeah. kind of wanted to go in and I kind of want to lead in with this one. Is, um, why do you feel that people gatekeep and what are some factors that lead to gatekeeping? And I guess, so along the lines where I talk, have you ever gatekept anyone? On my side, it's like, yeah, I probably have, but also... I, to a kind of a point, understand the feel like a little bit of the feeling where when I was growing up, like the stuff that I was into, it was very spread out that not many people were into the same comics, into the same video games, into the same movies that I was. So to a point, I did feel like this was my special Jordan thing. This was this was what made me special, what made me different. And then there were times when finding out people like just starting to get into it or even some people would like get into it, not be as into it as I was like, it would, there would be that part of me. It was like, Oh, okay. Well, they're not really into it. And so I guess I do understand the feeling It's like, Oh, okay. I'm so passionate about this one thing. And then seeing someone who may not be into, it, or maybe they're just starting. So they don't have the same feelings as then having that thought in your head. It's like, Oh, well they're not into it. Like I am. And so, so I get that tiny portion of it, but then there's also what we were saying is like, there's a good way of handling that feeling in a bad way. The bad way is being like, oh, you're not a true fan. Screw you. And that's what we kind of yeah. see a lot with the gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. I, I have more to say, but what? why do you guys think, well, what are some factors? Why do you guys feel that people get? Uh, do you want to go first or shall I? I've got the points off Jordan's, but also I can come back to that if you want to go first. Uh, Well, mine's pretty long. so uh, Then I will nip in and out. Um, basically, I, I, I had a big thought about exactly what Jordan was saying of like, especially when I compare it to like, why isn't sports famous for gatekeeping, really? And it, it probably, it almost certainly does have a lot of gatekeeping in it, but is it famous for it? Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. I'm not a sports fan. I, I was just assuming. But, um, basically, like, I, I think with nerddom especially, like, everyone in the nerd culture feels like they had to work hard to carve out this space, and therefore letting anyone who potentially doesn't care or appreciate it as much uh, in makes the space feel tainted or wasted, which is a shitty thing to do, and especially it's a shitty response to that is to, you know, promote leaving. Like, no, that's horrible. You should welcome them in and promote loving it, and that's that's the better way to do it. And also, you don't get that space all to yourself. That's the the key thing as well. It's like you may have worked hard to get your space, but like doesn't mean you, like no one else can enter it. Like that's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. that's that was my thing. I yeah, I I have a lot to say on this, guys. I'm gonna just forewarn you. This might be Leah talking for a while. <laughs> um, because there's a lot that goes into it, and why do people gatekeep goes like i think it's tied historically to what nerddom is and why people do what they do and how culture exists as a thing so i can't remember if i talked about this last time but nerd the nerd is a historically white male area it um started in like the 50s ish as a new as a new thing for people who had time and money to spend on it because it's a really expensive hobby um and it requires leisure time and money 
And the people who had leisure time and money are uh, young white males of middle class to upper class origins. Um, so generally those are the people who had access to all these items and stuff like that. And so that's how historically it became a white male arena. It's also Can I extend your rant. I've got like a genuine question that I think you will be able to yes. kneel an answer to. Um, yes. so you've mentioned twice, uh, women having more leisure time than meals. I have some ideas of that. I've especially seen it in like siblings and stuff that I've grown around, uh, grown up around and stuff, but like, I don't want someone listening to go like to be you know be like sitting as like a white male going like i think i've got exactly the same amount of can you explain like the the logic behind the white meal or the white meal or meals having more leisure time than females just like to clarify um yeah so generally um as a woman previously your time was a lot more structured um so often you were required to do specific activities and learn how to be how to be a woman. So you were restricted to certain activities and goals to be a woman, to become a housewife, to go to call like to go to college, to become a housewife type thing. Mm-hmm. So you were a lot more structured in the activities you were allowed to do and what your time was allowed to be spent on was a lot more structured than white males time was allowed to be structured. This is particularly, I'm talking about white females, Mm -hmm. females of other genders had often a lot more placed on them, including family raising. So if your parents were both working, then you had to raise your siblings. Your siblings had to raise your other siblings. You had to take care of the house. There was all sorts of other things that placed on other minorities' time, basis on the difference in socioeconomic levels, particularly in the U.S. Um, and yeah, so that's the structure and the expectations often played at many other levels that at the upper to middle class levels for white females, you, you went from having less restrictions on having to take care of the house while they were still there, they're lesser than other minorities and other socioeconomic levels, you then were placed into roles of having more restrictions on what your time was allowed to be spent on. So acceptable practices in the 50s, cheerleading, other forms of home economics, stuff like that. There was just generally, yeah, just more more restrictions on your time and what you were allowed to do versus what you weren't allowed to do. Hell yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that would be a good thing to have more on in this episode because it's been mentioned. Yeah. So Basically going back, the so it's a white male space, and it's been a white male space, and I think tying into what you guys were saying is that nerdum was something people had to fight for because it wasn't the traditional space, right? So often these people who were taking part in nerdum were from an ostracized background, and generally I think it's funny today because I, we when we were at this Comic-Con, we went to a panel on cosplay, and the, per, the person running the panel said, how many people... Here have been bullied. Literally everybody in the panel raised their hands. It's and it's an area of we it's a marginalized group of people. Nerddom has historically been a marginalized group. But in reality, that turns into a fact of instead perpetuating that system rather than making it a place where everybody's accepted, where you accepted people who are still marginalized, aka people who don't look like you, <laughs> um, to <laughs> To going to people, to perpetuating that same system. You were bullied, thus 
you continue to bully other people who are not like you. And so it generally was like now, while it's different who can be a nerd and stuff like that, that's why historically people, women and people of color have a harder time getting into this space is because you want to restrict people who don't like you you from being raised in in getting into this culture that you had to work so hard for. Um, as well, there's another side of it, which is like the idea of like what nerd culture is. And there's this wonderful article talking about game culture that the sociologist wrote about that um, he basically says, in reality, the elite notion of a pure, hardcore game culture is a fantasy. There's no thing, such thing as a video game culture hermetically sealed off from the rest of the world. Of course, there are concentrations when and where individuals focus on some things over other things, but cultures do not exist in Tupperware containers sitting neatly organized on shelves. So he, like, that's the idea of, like, that you think it should be perfect, that game culture has neat boundaries, and that this is in it, and this is not in it. Nintendo isn't, but at the same time, Breath of the Wild is. Like, there's this, like, super divide between what is culture and people trying to define it. That's what's, like, almost a shift now towards that, is trying to define what culture is versus as like yes it is still a mix of that like ostracizing people but now people are trying to define culture and you can't define it yeah as we learned last you episode <laughs> yeah so we yeah. define culture episode. Yeah. but it's like oh yeah no this is yeah. huge it's anything that makes up this thing it's like okay <laughs> it's huge it's a mess and you can't define it and keep people out like you can't be the gatekeeper of something that's literally it's like you're standing in front of a gate in front or that's literally surrounded by an open field <laughs> just yeah, a gate an open field when jordan said the phrase uh have the gate shut uh, shoved in my face it was had like me the imagery was perfect of like literally someone is just holding a gate like a loose gate that it it is not attached to a fence there is no boundary that it is connected to they're literally just holding up a gate that does not connect to anything. It cannot open yeah. or close. It is a physical object, and that's it. Another article that I was reading before this was talking about um, gatekeeping in Dungeons and Dragons, which you think would be an oxymoron, right? Because you can be you can literally, literally whoever be whatever you, you want. want. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> no, this this author, which all our sources will be listed in our description as usual, says that in his experience of playing as a black man, he said. Uh, he was told elves aren't black, only drows have dark skin. Which just makes me want to punch the fucking wall. Hey, it's a fantasy. Anything can happen. Screw you. (laughs) But it's also like, brings up the idea that well gaming, well nerddom and D&D should be literally the most inclusive thing in the world because anyone can do it. We are set in these ideas of fantasy created by white men. Mm. And people are trying to restrict it to this pure fantasy that's white men set. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. So and we, I think we have to remember that is that like, that's why they're trying to do it is because their ideas of fantasy are based on 70 years of white men writing fantasy versus yes. the idea that fantasy, what fantasy is, which is literally anything. Yeah whatever your imagination can hold and that's why i think nerddom has the potential to be like the most inclusive area 
in the world because it's so in- ultimately inclusive at its purest form. Yeah. Which is, ironically, a least pure form. <laughs> uh, that's that's Leah's rant. I thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> well, you. Thank you. I'm done now. And now we are exiting <laughs> Leah's corner. Um, but I kind of wanted to hit on that because what you we were saying earlier on in that rant, like a part of the nerd pride was like, oh, I had to work so hard to be a part of this and be included. And I, when I was doing research on this and I wanted to look the um kind of the perspective from the black nerd and i found a couple articles say it's like oh the black nerd or quote-unquote blurred culture which if you ever call me a blurred i'm going to punch you in the throat yeah it, i don't that no. it shouldn't be I mean, a word it, it doesn't make sense so. blurred no anyways Ugh. yeah it's the same it's similar to if you ever call me a what a female what is it a girl gamer then i will i'll, I'll st- i will, will feel my foot you. on your head <laughs> The older black nerd community is like looking at the younger. It's like, oh, yes, you didn't have to go through what I did to be a black nerd. So therefore, you're not a real nerd. And that kind of idea is like I walked this path for so long and anybody who didn't have the same experience can't truly be a nerd because they're not like me because they didn't have to struggle to be a nerd. And so that's like another way of gatekeeping and gatekeeping within the black community, which we should always be open and welcoming other black nerds in because they're feeling the same way. Because despite not going through the same thing you went through as a black, older black nerd, we're still being gatekept or being kept away from other things in the same type, same kind of way. So I gotta say, I gotta say, this is just. You describing that is the same experience I have been hearing so many times this year in different areas of the world that I feel like we just need to highlight on that fact for a moment. Like, I don't know if any of you have seen Tales of the City. It's an excellent show. You should see it. There's a whole scene where a older man is dating a younger man and they go to a dinner party with a bunch of older men who lived through the 80s in San Francisco. And one of them uses a derogatory term for a transgender person. And the guy goes off on him. And then they're like, you didn't live through this. You don't get to say. Mm. Which is generally, it's a big, having talked with many people, it is that that is a huge problem today in the gay community. Is this idea that you don't it often be confronted of, you didn't have to experience this pain, thus you don't get to say anything about me now. And not only that, seeing that there, it's also something I've been experiencing in the academic community as well, because there's a there's a pandemic of mental health problems in the academic community and people saying that you get to experience this pain because I had to experience this pain to get where I am. When in actuality, the entire experience is different. It's changed. The world has changed. We don't live in the same place. And just because... Yes, I appreciate everything you've done to get to where we are. Doesn't mean that you get to restrict my ability to change things. And I yes. think that's that's just like a thing that we've all like I've been confronted by multiple times this year, not even just in nerddom, but I think it's endemic everywhere. And I think we could all stand to just like try and look at those instances in our life and try not to have them. And I also think like a lot of this gets brought up and thought up around in like uh okay like we're all talking about like here is where the logic actually comes from of like this feeling of like having worked hard to get this place and therefore you're kind of like a little bit precious of it but let's not pretend that that's actually why any 
people are really doing it because at the core, like, if you realize this place would, was precious, you would take care of it more. And, like, I, I feel like the an example for me that when I was growing up was, like, uh, like, you know, you'd get a lot of, like, women not allowed for into, like, nerd culture for being, like, you know, like, an attractive woman wouldn't be allowed in nerd culture because it's like, oh, she is clearly, like, n- like a jock kind of stereotype in, in that kind yeah. of thing, and therefore would get stereotyped in that. And yet, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland and such can play Spider-Man, like, one of the most iconic nerds ever. And it's like, no, clearly you are having specific opinions on women, not on, like your level of like have you been bullied before like because you were like ugly and put away and pushed in a corner and things like that you're clearly letting white handsome white males who haven't had to struggle and are like young superstars into the nerd culture why aren't you doing it for women it's clearly based in sexism and you have examples of that across race across wealth across like all of these different uh areas and like physical ability and stuff and yeah it is kind of like a huge bummer to see like this single core grain of truth be used over and over and over again when really everything in this kind of gatekeeping attitude is so hypocritical that anytime that is brought up it is such a small minority that is so easily overcome is this like feeling of like oh this is my precious space like no it's not yeah you you can get over that and we have this lovely list that was not created by myself, but was as part of a a panel we went to that described all these barriers to inclusion, which are go from the beginning, the most common or not, they're not in any specific order, but generally it's the ones people think of first, gender, race, sexual orientation, then age, cultural background, education, socioeconomic status, physical ability and time, which like all these are tied in together, but like man, do they make a long list of everything to not be allowed in. And it's, yeah, it's sad, but I think it's important Uh, to, like, recognize all these. I want to do, like, a a practice of going down this list, and I'm just going to list, like, this is going to be the person who can, this is, I'm going to describe the person who never gets gatekept is a a male, white person who is straight, young but not a child um who is i guess western raised and american i would say uh who is decently educated and born rich and wealthy and has no physical (laughs) disabilities inabilities anything of the sort and also has a ton of free time despite you know needing money and yeah yeah, Yeah. that's that's like you get like a very small group of people in that group yeah. and that's that would be very boring if nerd culture was limited to those people yes, that would suck. It would. it would suck butts it would really be shitty <laughs> yeah and there's so many of these that like you eliminate one of these and it means that you can't do it at all like that's oh there's so many restrictions like i just thinking about the age thing recently has been on my mind because my dad grew up in a time where him being a nerd wasn't okay and he got bullied a lot so much so that he doesn't want to go back to his hometown mainly he didn't want to go back to live there for him now he's struggling with the fact that he's retiring and doesn't have much to do and now feels like he can't 
be included in some of the nerdy pursuits that I do. And it's like been a struggle. My God, it's been a struggle to try and convince him that he could do D&D. Like, I think that he would love it. And it's been such a struggle to even get him to consider doing that because he's afraid of how he'll be perceived for being older. By the and way, he is very welcome in our group. That would be I, yeah. cool as shit. He, I don't know if I'd be okay him, but <laughs> just because he's my father. You just, you just give Kepler that. <laughs> I think it's more for personal. It's not, it's personal. not because of anything. That, it's because you're my dad that you can't come into this. Let's exactly. add parents to barriers in If you're someone's parent. <laughs> but, but he is, I'm currently getting, um, I've got my mom on the case, which is impressive because she is not a self-identified nerd, to get him to talk to the group of young people where he lives in the small town he lives in. Um, be, and it's taken ages. And it's just like for him, he feels like nothing's meant for him. And just by that means that he's kind of restricted out of nerddom and it's kind of sucks. And it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, not you, not what you think about, but just one of these characters are truly can be a f- barrier to you. I will add a, a, a comic, uh, to our list of things that are going in the description here about an old person getting into D and D. It was a sweet story. Someone posted on Twitter. Leah, I think I sent you this. Of, mm-hmm. I think it was an old French lady who was, uh, uh, involved in D and D and just had like, all her time and creativity that she could finally pour into something. And, like, being old is the perfect time to play some D&D. Like, that's great. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I will I will send that to Jordan and we can get it in the description uh, as well. I think that's finally what convinced him to even consider talking with these people is because I told him, I'm like, your encyclopedic knowledge of sci-fi and fantasy will give you an advantage. And they would love to have that because he's literally read almost every fantasy book in existence. Like everything well i think this flows nicely into what we can do to prevent gatekeeping and circumvent gatekeeping stab all Ooh. the gatekeepers wait, wait a second hold on <laughs> <laughs> oh. wait, and that's what? the message we're taking away from this yep we've hit our an arrow hit our to time. the knee <laughs> just arrows all in the knee like, oh yeah it's like i really like this oh well you're not a real nerd stab him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just mob mentality. Let's yeah, yeah. It. If we all gang up, we can never. Nope, nope. We're going out of line. Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah. Let's let's talk about let's talk about ways you can help. So for me, I think the easiest way that you can help someone who is being gatekept is by shaming the person who's doing the gatekeeping. Oh, um, for sure. Shame is the most wonderful thing, guys. That has so been, effective. I've read through the show notes here, and there's just a big bullet point called shame. All caps. And I was, <laughs> I was so confused by this until right now. This is my first understanding of why there's just shame. It's yes, to shame the shame. gatekeepers, not the other people. Got it. No, Thank you. It's it's a very effective means of um, getting people to not do things because as humans, we generally just want to look like other humans. Fun fact, there's this study that shows that if adults are trying to undo a puzzle box, they'll follow the unnecessary steps that you need to do to unlock it, that if they watch another adult do them, and kids will just do the steps necessary. So, like, if you have to, like, put it on the table and then, like, pat it a couple times, they'll do that even if it's not necessary. We legit just want to do everything to look normal. 
And so if you shame someone in public, oh man, they are so much less likely to do it again. So that is like, I think one of the most effective means of stopping gatekeeping is stepping up and shaming the people doing it. It's pretty harmless as well, because like, all it does is make you ashamed of a bad thing as well. Like that's, that's pretty good. Like, it, it, yeah. it, it is a victimless way of approaching it. And I also then would follow that up of while you're shaming the other person, you should then provide a path around the gate by like saying like, oh, but if you like yeah. these things, here is the route, here is a, a route I took to get to the other things and such. Um, yeah. I it think, I think we've talked about D&D &D and I want to say like D&D &D has been me making amends for any potential feelings of gatekeeping at any time. I love D&D as a way to introduce people to nerddom mm -hmm. because it is both extremely nerdy, yes. kind of famous for being extremely nerdy, but also it's really, really welcoming. And if you've got someone else to sit there with your character sheet, it like I think all the D&D &D groups I have hosted have been exclusively with people who are playing it for the first time. And it is so much yes. fun for people to figure out the rules together. And like, you can simplify them, change them, like fit, fit them to a perfect system. Like it, it, it is, it is mm -hmm. so flexible for circumventing gatekeeping. I love that for that reason. And since, since we're on the topic of D and D, here's another one that doesn't really relate to the people around you. It's more in general, how we want to get over these barriers particularly the ones at the bottom of this list that we talked about, which is socioeconomic status and time. And how D&D &D is probably one of the least expensive ways to get kids who into nerddom and allow them to have access. So I highly recommend donating games you own. Like there are a lot of places like centers for helping kids and people of low income and community centers and elderly centers and therapy centers where you could donate games to people who wouldn't have access to them otherwise. And as well, there are charities that run D&D programs for after school care. And like you totally could go to your local like elementary school or middle school or any sort of school and be like, hey, I want to run a thing for D&D. And a lot of teachers would be totally on board with that. And it teaches kids, yeah, a lot of good good qualities and imagination. It gives them an opportunity to get into nerdum when they otherwise wouldn't But I guess it. with these gates, we're kind of saying is to find a way to bridge over it and, like, spread it out. So, like, donating stuff, um, I guess on a very personal level, would be to just share your things like other people will gatekeep oh well, you're not a real nerd it's like well hey it doesn't matter if you're not a real nerd or not it's like if you want we can watch this together or if you want here's like some list of things that i think are cool that you would enjoy like talk to your friends who have been gatekept and try to spread the love a little bit would be one way to help fight it and i guess the all-around realization is that gatekeepers suck and we just you know just push them away into their little corner they can you know, be the real gamers playing their two... Have their... Yeah, have their Minecraft servers, have their <laughs> real video games, screw Nintendo. It's like, fine. You you know what? That means there's more room for me to have fun in the things I like and will learn to like because you will be shut off in your own little world, I guess. And I think other things to remember is like when you have somebody gatekeeping against you, you can approach it however you want. Try and remember they don't control 
the culture. They don't own whatever yeah, property when, that may be. They don't own every video game. Yeah, there there is no binary. There is no binary. And they, they can... Like, you can always just list games that someone hasn't yeah. played because no one has yeah, played every game. Of games there's just there. too much. Science says there's just too much. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, and if you're unable to stand up to someone, take a second afterwards and ask your friend if they're okay and mm-hmm. help them after the fact if you are too nervous or scared. Cause they could, it's really appreciating just listening to a person with their experiences. So just take a moment to be a human being yeah. and listen and to share them. share stories. And if people don't have those people, uh, reach out to people like us, I think. We've got an yeah. email address. And yeah. yeah, send us an email if you've been gatekept and want reassurance on that regard. Like, not even, like, if you want mention on the show. Like, I will yeah. happily look into the email and answer some some of those of people who are struggling with gatekeeping now. And, you know, like, we, yeah. we could start being a bridge as well. Like, I think yeah. that's... Yeah. Like, I mean... I'll probably oh, yeah. say it again at the um, end, but that is also sidecharacterspod mm. at gmail.com. And it will be in the show notes. Yeah. Sidecharacterspod at gmail.com. Okay, so I have this fun little exercise for us on allyship and how to be a good ally. And it puts it in really good perspective for anybody. So hopefully this is for the people who may have accidentally gatekept in your life or to give to someone else and share this with them or for you to just think about on your own terms, but it's a really good example of privilege. So let's take this exercise. Imagine your privilege is a heavy boot that keeps you from feeling when you're stepping on someone's foot or they're stepping on yours or they're stepping on yours. Well, oppressed people have only sandals. Ouch, you're stepping on my toes. How do you react? Because we can think more clearly about stepping on someone's literal toes than we usually do when it comes to oppression, the problems with many common responses are obvious. We're going to go over some of those right now. Centering yourself. I can't believe you think I'm a toe stepper. I'm a good person. (laughs) Denial that other people's experiences are different from your own. I don't mind when people step on my toes. Derailing. Some people don't even have toes. Why aren't we talking about them instead? Refusal to center on the impacted. All toes matter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's a funny one. I'm sorry. All toes matter. Tone policing. I'd move my foot if you asked me more nicely. Um, Denial that the problem is fixable. Toes getting stepped on is a fact of life. You'd be better off when you accept that. Definitely one we've talked about a lot today. Um, Victim blaming. You shouldn't have been walking around people with boots. Withdrawing. I thought you wanted my help, but I guess not. I'll just go home. In reality, most of us naturally know the right way to react when we step on someone's toes. And we can use that to help us learn how we react when we commit microaggressions, which microaggressions are basically what we've been talking about all today. today. Um... Centered on the impacted, are you okay? (laughs) Simple as that. Listen to their response and learn. Apologize for the impact, even though you didn't intend it. I'm sorry. Stop the instance. Move your foot. Stop the pattern. Be careful where you step in the future. When it comes to oppression, we want to actually change the footwear to get rid of privilege and um, oppression, sneakers and all, but metaphors can only stretch so far. So... Yeah, it's a simple, it's a simple but extremely effective example that I recommend. I will have the link to this online on our, on our description, but it's like, 
it's so silly, but this is actually what yeah. happens. So it's good to like think about your own response and to think about what other people, how other people are responding. And if you're friends with someone who gatekeeps, this is an effective way to talk to them because that's where you start. Change is really slow. Change sucks because it is so slow. But rather than canceling someone out of your life, unless you can't, unless it gets resolved, like if you, unless you can't find a resolution, you should try to approach them in this way and be like, hey, let's talk about why this isn't okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Shit. It's it's a lot easy like the whole thing is it's a lot easier to understand these things when you put it in like different words like toe stepping exactly and like yes. I all the times I brought this up to people they have been like when I when I say do you know what you should respond with they go I'm sorry are you okay yes we all know what we say when we step on somebody's yeah, toes we should easily be so. able to apologize if we do offend someone instead of it's like why why are you getting mad at me it's like well. Just say sorry if you if you're an asshole. Say sorry, but um, and I've actually I will attest that I have like shared that with a friend and we kind of talked through it and things did get better with that relationship. So it works. Ding the Jordan mm -hmm. Gold Star of approval. Yeah, <laughs> and in reality, this can be applied yes. to every aspect of your it, life very easily. So I think that's a very good way yeah. to wrap up this whole conversation. Um, just talking about that, and then I guess. As we all will we'll always do from now on, we're going to close out with the things that we've been um, kind of enjoying recently. Also, want to remind that some of the things that we did um, talk about with the barriers and inclusion were from a panel that we were um, that we went to during the Comic Con that we talked about um, called Inclusion by Design and Hobby Gaming. And now let's talk about the things that we have been consuming recently. Uh, I can start, I guess. We talked a lot about um, gatekeeping and stuff in this episode. And then one of the things we talked about is like people like saying, oh, what's a real game? What's not? And Nintendo definitely gets knocked as a lot as not being real games. So the thing I have been enjoying recently would definitely fall into something that is not a real game. And that's kind of why I wanted to share it on this episode, because anything that's a game is a game. And you can't really define what a real game is because if, are you playing it? Okay, it's a game. Cool. And so I have been really <laughs> enjoying the Untitled Goose game because... Oh, that's a great is, one for this. I have it, it in my notes. It is so, here. so fun just to run around and just ruin someone's day, but in a video game and not in real life. And I just... It's... The art is all fun for it. It's really fun gameplay. And some people say, oh, it's not a real game because, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's not Call of Duty or this or that. No, it's it's just a fun game to just run around as a goose and just ruin people's lives. I wrecked a gardener's whole yeah. worldview. Just completely mm -hmm. destroyed him. And it was great. So that's... <laughs> and yeah. anyone can identify as the goose. It is not an extraordinary... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Main I character. am totally you, the, you goose. Can be the goose. <laughs> Unless you're a duck, which then I yeah. apologize for us assuming that you could yeah, identify I'm sorry as a to goose. The, our duck we listeners. do apologize to all our, our duck <laughs> listeners. What? We didn't sorry. mean to ruffle any feathers. Oh god. Uh, you can edit that one out. <laughs> no, no, I am leaving that. I love it. <laughs> That's staying. All right. 
Joel, do you want to go next? Oh, I'll go. Um, Mine is uh, the same as last week's because I am very poor and cannot afford multiple games. Uh, So I am still playing The Outer Worlds. It's pretty short, but I am squeezing every drop I can out of it, and I want to just promote it for, again, I kind of said in the last one that, like, oh, it's got the potential to be diverse because, you know, their first uh, companion character is a... A non-white lady of the name of Parvati, who has become Mm. uh, an internet-famed icon, and I want to say that she has been revealed to be uh, lesbian, bi, or pansexual, and not only that, she is asexual and is completely non-sexualized in that regard, and it is beautiful to see, like, someone go like, oh, we're going to make this attractive lesbian character non-sexualized and like you do not get the opportunity to sexualize her and that is not only a good instance of like oh preventing sexualization it is also representing the asexual community and that yeah. is hella cool and your entire side quest with her her is just setting up nice platonic dates like it is very charming very positive and uh, oh, not nice. only that uh, just going throughout the game uh frequent faces are very rarely or no not even very rarely but like appropriately white as in they are not very many white people in this game there are they are there and they are dispersed around but it feels very like oh we're out in the space frontier in that like everywhere you look there are people of different races um and orientations and things like that and genders and everything it is very very cool very very inclusive and i would continue to promote that until i eventually get to the end and it has like a white supremacist message or something yeah <laughs> Wow, oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, well, this week has been a uh, decently light in things to talk about for, for me personally. Um, I've been watching a lot of British Bake Off, so not really on the nerd spectrum, but... <laughs> I mean, it's a, uh, it is very welcoming, though. It's a great it's show. So Everybody's nice. And that's why I love it. It's so nice. It's so nice. Um, I would happen to say, though, my favorite currently um, of just like regular, like for talking about games that aren't games would be I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, um, the Pocket Camp, the one on your phone. It's not a real game because it's like a phone game, but it's just saying it's just like a fun, fun game. It's just a fun game. Did that get good then? Are you like enjoying it or are you finding it lacking? Because I found it lacking, but only at the start. And it's similar to Pokemon Go. Like I'm assuming it got way better later on the line. Yeah, it's definitely better because I played it a lot at the beginning and then I stopped playing it because it got repetitive. But there, mm-hmm. the the devs who are working on it, like actually listen. Like there was a thing that they did a couple months. They changed something that everybody hated. And then like less than a month later, they gave people a lot of the in-game currency and were like, hey guys, we listened, we're gonna change that, we're gonna bring back part of the old mechanics. And then they just updated us less than a week ago and we're like, hey guys, we are still working on that, just reminding everybody we are fixing it. Like, So they actually do take an active stance in like talking with the people who are using their game, which is really nice. And it's just like, it's just a really good time. And there's so many, like, the animal characters are just like, actually like in some ways so much more inclusive than you you think because like there's male and female animal characters who are pink and and unusual like not specific colors which is great Uh so it's like it's yeah it's a it's a nintendo game so it's not truly out of the box but in some ways i feel like for kids 
just normalizing things at that point of that that you can have both male and female characters who are bright pink is it's good good in my book so yeah, yeah. that's good yeah yeah and it's a classic one of those games that isn't considered a real game but i generally think it is because it does create a sense of community so i, I just i love that whole theory of what's a real game and not it's just none of it makes sense it's crazy because on a last note i used to think that i wasn't a real gamer because I only started playing PC games a couple years ago. And then Jordan, my friend Jordan here, reminded me that I am. Because I played a crazy amount of Mario Kart in high school. Yeah, we... Legend of Zelda. We played a lot of Mario Kart. He, yeah, and then you had, like, Professor Layton's and other games like that. Like, you, Oh, yeah? Yeah, you're a gamer. And that's, uh, that's yeah. part of, like, the very, like, classist thing of, like, oh, unless you have, like, a, a fat rig that you can run everything off, then, like, no, you don't get to be a real gamer. It's like, no, you can you can buy whatever console is cheapest from your secondhand store and work off of that. Like, exactly. that is as physical and real as you're going to get. Like, yeah, yeah. don't don't get keep because of money. Exactly. I'm like, you want to play Stardew Valley on your phone? You can do that. You can do it anywhere. You can play Stardew Valley on any console you want. Stardew Valley is for sure a real goddamn game. So never question phone games. It does I feel exist. Like it. <laughs> I really just want to end the episode on Stardew Valley is a real goddamn game. Thanks for listening, that's, guys. That's the point. That's yeah. That's our that's our whole point of this is uh, we we have confirmed. Stardew Valley exists. Yeah, Star- yes, Stardew Valley is, is real, and all y'all can mm. go screw. <laughs> but then, <laughs> thank you guys for yes. listening. We're going to continue with the conversations on the next episode. Um, this has been an extremely fun one to talk about. Um, yeah, and I think that's all I got. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we ended up happier than we were at the start. Yes, definitely. Oh, yay! <laughs> and next week will be a happy episode too because we're going to talk about inclusion. I think. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Fuck. We'll- we're not. Okay, it's confirmed. Next week's going to be sad too. Buckle up. <laughs> Every episode from now on is going to be sad. It's all sad all the time. Anyways. Hey, you guys want to get depressed? Listen to the Side Characters podcast. Anyways, <laughs> you guys can reach out to us on SideCharactersPod at gmail.com. That will be in our description as always. Always. This is the second episode. And other than that, thank you for listening, and we will catch you all later. Bye. 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 Bye.